my name's Lucas Coleman. I play guitar. Nick Sanioski, bass. Will Hughes on a uke, and I like to scream. Blair Strong, and also uh, co-screamer. <laughs> <laughs> and we are the late, great Charlie Borsky. And you are listening to 25,000 Miles. Hey, 
and uh, bring it on over this pile of cocaine instead. One, two, three, four! Cocaine, I'm doing that cocaine. Oh, the cocaine, all night long. Oh, 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 let's cocaine. Cocaine, champagne, whiskey. Champagne and whiskey, he be going strong. Welcome to the show, guys. Hello. Pleasure to be here. Uh, since there's three of you, uh, could you say who you are and what you do in the band? Absolutely. Uh, my name is Blair, and I sing and uh, sometimes play percussion. Uh, my name is Will. I also sing, and I play the ukulele, the guitar, and the piano. I'm Nick. I play bass, and I handle our audio recording and some engineering stuff. He's the audio guru. <laughs> yeah, well, you can't just say bass player. You gotta, like, have other things in there. There's nothing wrong with being just a bass. <laughs> no, oh, no, of course not. Nope. <laughs> it's okay, I'm a bass player, too, so. <laughs> I can make that joke. We gotta stand up for ourselves out here. <laughs> Uh, so, how are you guys doing with COVID in your area right now? <laughs> oh, well, that's been a whole thing. We, like, essentially, from the beginning of everything, we're like, we have to be able to see each other. So, in the especially early days, we were all, like... We, d- we decided we were going to be, like, a pod before, like, that was, like, a term that was being used. We're trendsetters. Yeah. As, as soon as it went down, we all just said, so we're seeing each other and no one else is <laughs> really keeping this going. So that worked out pretty well for us, and then <laughs> if, we kept that up since. Yeah, if music had been ripped away from me, I think us in general, we truly would have lost our minds. Now it's things are more open, but not as open. Yeah. Definitely less open than, like, most other major cities in the country. Like, we're at least still, like, very closed compared to everywhere else. Like, there's definitely nowhere playing live music yet. Yeah, there's there's one spot here. And they're opening it up for people in their parking lot. There's only been one. I don't think anyone here would be nice enough to do something like that. There would be fist fights that would occur. Yeah. It's possible. <laughs> like, what, you going to play guitar? Mm. <laughs> Literally. That or people would be like, hey, you're too close to my car. I really have been angry for the last year, and now I'd like to take all of my anger out on you at this moment. Or, hey, I live in this parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, for those who might not know, uh, or who might not be familiar with your band, could you tell us what your band is all about? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, I, uh, when we first started this thing, dubbed our genre theatrical folk pop. Um, there's, like, a solid group of us in the in the band who went to musical theater school. That's a, that's a made-up genre, by the way. It did, I don't think it existed before. All genres are made up. Yeah, all genres are made you know, up. I'm, I'm pretty sure I heard about it before. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. It's out there. People, are, people so. are doing theatrical folk pop all sure. over the place. Just not quite as good as we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but it's it's like music that uh, I mean I got a lot of influence from like growing up in Texas, going to like bluegrass festivals with my grandparents and listening to old country and stuff. And so that's definitely an influence. But I think that all of our listening habits are so varied that we get little bits of everything. But I call it what I do because it's like really storytelling based music with like folk sensibilities. And then it's got like catchy hooks and stuff. And so the three of those things together, although I think recently we've been starting to dabble in uh, what we're calling prog folk. (laughs) Sweet. I think the question was, who are we? Oh, (laughs) well, that's who we are. (laughs) And I think more than anything, we make music that we would want to listen to. And we have, when there are live shows, like, I don't know, I can't speak for you guys, but for me personally, that's the most fun part because we get to just, like, we're a very, like, silly band and we just kind of, like, mess with each other on stage and, like, kind of, I don't know, (laughs) bring the theatricality of it. I've got, like, like, serious songs and as I'm, like, trying to emote on stage, people will be whispering stupid things into my ears. (laughs) Trying desperately to make me crack a smile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think a good way to describe us would be to say that we're kind of almost like if the Island of Misfit Toys was a band. <laughs> like we all kind of come from different areas and different places and different backgrounds, even just within music with our experience. Um, Will and Blair both went to school for musical theater and then did different things based out of college and kind of found each other again. Um, I've been playing music for a long time. Will and I worked in the same restaurant and that's how we met. And eventually Will kind of just pulled all these people together. He had met in different areas of life. And I'd say even now, even though we're a cohesive unit, we're still all very different and unique. Sure. Yeah. And it took like some, some different attempts and stuff. And I pulled a ton of people all together and some of it didn't necessarily work out, but then the, those that didn't left and were filled in in other spots. And now I feel like we have a group where all of us are like, okay, this is, this is how it works. (laughs) You guys have uh, a new single coming out or it's come out already called champagne. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yes. On Saturday. Can you tell us about that? But first, who is the phenomenal whistler? At the beginning of that song. <laughs> That's me. And I've, I've been doing the whistling thing in music for a while now. And I finally, I was like, well, this has to be included. Because I whistle at shows a lot. All the time. You you either have it or you don't. And I was like, whoa, this guy's got it. I cannot whistle. I've never, I've never been able to whistle my life. And every time someone's like, well, you just go like this. I'm like, I can't. I cannot do it. So... You know, it's a talent because usually when you're singing live, it's the microphone, your like mouth is so dry. And so it's so hard to whistle live. But if you can pull that off, man. Is it hard to do it live? Sometimes. I actually, I did like a a musical one time where the lead character in the show was supposed to whistle a thing on stage and he couldn't whistle. And they had a thing where they were like in the cast, they were like, can anyone whistle really well? And I was like, absolutely. (laughs) And so so I used to bring my mic up in the wing and I would go and watch him on stage. And as he would start to do it, I would whistle for him. I was his whistle double in the show. (laughs) whistle double. (laughs) Professional whistler. Yeah. Will Hughes. So that's that's another thing you play in the band is the whistle. Oh yeah, I do. I play the the whistle. The whistle. (laughs) There you go. Nice. 
champagne. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that. Thing. No. <laughs> that was a question, right? Champagne is a song that I remember Will bring to us in this same living room you're giving us this, this interview in, <laughs> um, and. I remember us all thinking it was really interesting when we first heard it and had a lot of interesting chords that were fun to work out. And did the song always have that kick up at the end? I think so. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, the last verse is about cocaine, and so you can't keep it the same tempo when you're singing about that. (laughs) Not with that attitude. (laughs) Yeah, it's something that increases the tempo of life. Wow, that was poetic. Yeah, what was a, it? What a, what, a, what, a, what a motto for that drug. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's something I have no idea about ever. Never, never, ever, ever. Mom, okay, if you're listening. It's a fun song about um, okay. <laughs> a debaucherous, a debaucherous night out that you know starts, you know, mildly and then ends in a in a crazy way. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we hope some of you have uh, lived similarly. You know what we're talking about. <laughs> so this is a single off of a record that hasn't come out yet. Is that correct? Yes, okay, that is and, correct. And when are we going to expect that album? Very soon. I don't want to like say exact dates yet because... I would say before summer. Definitely before summer. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm saying probably March, April is when that feels is safe. when it will be out. Yes. Okay. This is our this is our first venture into a project like this. Yeah, so full we're, length. We're figuring out tying up the ends and getting it actually done the way that we basically basically when uh, when COVID hit, we all went on lockdown and we all lost our jobs and we had ample <laughs> amounts of time. We um, essentially. I have, there's an extra unit in my house that we call the basement that was just used for storage. So we kind of went down there and uh, cleaned it out and turned it into a little home studio. And we just started recording for fun and then realized, oh, we've got like a couple songs here and they, they sound pretty good. And then we're like, oh, we've got a lot of songs here. Oh, well, you have enough songs for an album. I guess we're going to put out an album. <laughs> That's the best way to put out an album. It's like, yo, we got enough. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we have actually enough for probably a second album at this point. Maybe a third, too, honestly. We've already started putting together a track listing for LP2, even though we still haven't completely finished LP1. Vastly <laughs> ahead of ourselves. We need to wrap up this first one. Yeah, right on. That's that's the best way to do it, because then you can like kind of go through them and be like, mm, do I really need this one? Yeah, for sure this one. You can... Sweet. It's a little bit of a scary thing. Our engineer, uh, who's been doing all of our mixing with us, said uh, a bit of a sobering thing to me where he was like, you have your whole life to put out your first album, and then you got like about a year to put out your second one. <laughs> yeah, so it's like best now to compile as much as you can, so you got something to sit on. Exactly. Who is Charles Borsky? <laughs> Question. So, uh, Charlie Borsky is like kind of an alter ego for myself that I created based off of some different likes and influences in life. The the Charlie portion, especially hearkening to Charles Bukowski and the fact that he used to write uh, stories that were semi autobiographical uh, under Hank Chansky, and and that was like his name. And so I was kind of inspired by that. And uh, while 
I feel like I've lived like about three or four lives in my 30 years. There was like one of those that was like very intoxicated. And my favorite brand of cheap vodka in that time was Borsky. And so uh, it's like hearkening to a man who used to be, hence the late, great Charlie Borsky. He's no, he's no longer with us. So <laughs> we, sing, we, 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 we sing about him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have an alter ego too. His name's Emmanuel Steele. I don't. Uh, oh. I don't. I don't like bringing him out often. <laughs> he sounds like he dances for money. He does whatever needs to be done. <laughs> <laughs> maybe him and Charlie knew each other back. Yeah. They have a former life. I think so. Maybe. Maybe they. Maybe they fought. Maybe that's how Charlie died. <laughs> They had a duel. <laughs> I'm like trying. I wasn't there. I don't know. I'm trying my best to censor myself some. <laughs> don't even. I say you just let it out. <laughs> oh, I was going to say that maybe, like, if they did know each other, then he, like, cucked Charlie Borsky. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about something you've got your whole life to do. I've been waiting my whole life to say that in an interview. Just to make sure when my mom is like giving this to people, she'll be like, "Don't listen to it." Actually, yeah, poor mother. <laughs> my son didn't do it. Don't check it out. But my son did do it. Anyway. Dude, mark it on the calendar. I get frightened 
Okay, so it looks like uh, when I was looking on your Facebook page, you guys have done a live stream already, um, and you guys have done some stripped-down sets, uh, videos, and stuff like that. But I know there's some bands who are, like, all for live streams. They're like, yeah, like, this is this is the way it should be done. And some bands are, like, strictly against it. Now, I know you've done both those things already, but um, how do you feel about live streaming right now? So, like, when, when, when we were all stuck in quarantine in the very beginning, we were doing live streaming quite a bit, and we did it on this, like, what was that app called? Sessions. This app called Sessions, and we were doing it... I don't know. It's kind of like, I hate and love it at the same time. So I think it's like, like I said, like we love performing live, but because we have to do live streams that we are, our, some of our bandmates like don't live here anymore. So we still have to do a, you know, more stripped down version, which isn't bad necessarily, but we also just kind of realized we are dedicating way too much time to do the live stream and promote the live stream and be all about like being on social media instead of focusing on, the music and recording and, and, and making this album and like writing new stuff. And so we kind of decided like, let's not focus on that so much and focus more on like the work itself and not, and less about like trying to get engagement, I guess. Yeah. Since then we've done it intermittently, but it's not yeah. been a regular thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Just, oh, sorry. No, you're okay. I, I paused for a long moment. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think we, I think we definitely, appreciate the ability to live stream and the fact that we can do it well and we want to give people us and our music and that experience but i think i speak for all of us when i say that we definitely get a good a real good high like a real yeah a real good high like a performance of, high a performance high yeah. of actually performing to live people and live streaming is never ever going to match that yeah you know? We, we need that that energy exchange. It is super cool that that's a thing that can, can exist now with technology. Yeah. But it certainly is not my preferred way to do things. You, and there, you, you really don't. With the feedback that you get from an audience and seeing people dance and sing along and shout. and Yeah. Well, I mean, we've done a couple, too, in, like, a more... Because we did, we did some just here, like, on my porch, like, in a casual way. And then we've done some more, like, professional ones with an actual, like, production company, which those are really cool and, like, turned out really great. Um, so if we're going to do them, I'd rather do them, I think, more in that capacity because I think we're pretty particular about, like, what we're going to sound like and making sure, like, the audio is on point and everything. So we want to just, like... We don't want to, like, do ourselves a disservice by, like, sounding pretty <laughs> yeah i would rather them happen like every so often and be really good rather than us just saying that we have to be on there streaming all the time even though there is money to be made that way sometimes <laughs> now yeah. yeah i think there's there's a pretty long list of pros and cons for for both because some people live streaming now in the future like when people are going back to live shows people who might not have been able to uh come to any live show maybe they have a, a health problem or something and they just can't be around people boom i think that's going to be a new thing like not only will it be live but i think if, if bars live stream it also people are going to yeah. be on board with that too so, yeah that would be really cool so not only will you have the crowd but you'll have those at home i think that's a, i think that's best of both worlds situation yeah, for the people who aren't able to yeah go out and enjoy it live they can at least still watch it from home but then still get the 
experience or, or the, you know. I mean, for no other reason, I want anyone and everyone to hear it as much as they possibly can. So I like that as, a, as an opportunity. <laughs> and for those stuck at home, um, when the time comes, we will bring it to your house. Yeah, so we'll do it we'll in front of your front yard. Yeah. yeah, so let us know. Yeah. <laughs> your walls don't stop us. <laughs> yeah. For real. I wear steel-toed boots. I'll kick your door down. Like, it. like the Kool-Aid. It's just nowhere near as aggressive as I'd want it to be because I carry a ukulele with me. So like, we're scared, but like, not really? You're not that intimidating. I'm going to give us a message about preserving nature after you kick the door. Yeah, exactly. I'm here to play music and to tell you to please recycle. <laughs> I know you're not playing shows right now, but could you tell us the story of the best show you ever played, and then on the flop of that, the worst show? Sick. Okay, this, this is a good question. Okay. <laughs> I I already know why. I think I we might have the same, <laughs> same, the same one. Okay. Let me go first. Do you want to say it at the same time? The, uh, the best show? Yeah. Three, two, one. The S satellite. Oh, yeah. satellite. <laughs> no. All right, you go first. <laughs> okay. Mine is, uh, that was a good one though, too. Actually, I know why. Okay. Yeah, My best, I feel like our best show was we played this venue. Um, when was that? That was a year ago. We played twice. We did. The first time we played though was last January, 2020. We had just gotten, uh, recently gotten a new, uh, drummer who still drums with us now. His name's Alan. He's freaking rad. Yeah, he's amazing. And he like, kind of transformed the band like we once we once alan joined we were like oh we're like a real band now like everything just sounded like he just fit so well and like he was a great addition and so we got to play our first show with him at uh this venue called the satellite out here in silver lake which sadly um is no longer around because of covid and it's one of my favorite places it, like not even before you know like i've seen shows there and they would do a thing every saturday like a big dance party was one of my favorite just places to go in general so I was super excited that we got to play there because they had this super huge stage now we weren't it was it was kind of a weird lineup it was like all these like rock and like metal bands and then we were like at the tail end as this like cheesy folk band at like midnight and That's a late show. i don't think i would call it cheesy you know folk what i band. mean like we're not cheesy but like we're silly yeah people in like skull paint yeah, yeah. Was, like, everyone's wearing black and like sing, like screamo songs and we're, like, i was gonna say i would envision to say something that was like death metal yeah music. and then all of a sudden this folk band comes on at midnight and like I'm not going to say the house was packed because it definitely was not, but we had a good amount of our friends there. And it was the first time we played a venue where there was a big like dance floor area. And it was the first time I got to see like all of our friends and family, like singing along and actually dancing to our music. And like, it was just like, I don't know. It was one of my favorite memories and we sounded killer we sounded awesome yeah those who were into it were so so into yeah. it yeah and those who weren't were like, like what the you know, what's <laughs> happening right now <laughs> but then the worst show this is my own personal worst show it was it was in the earlier days and we used to play a lot of uh comedy shows and we played one out like 30 minutes away 
and I was really late. <laughs> I just start and they played like three songs without me and then I had to like come rushing in and join them later. I had been telling the audience the whole time <laughs> she was missing and had said her name so many times that when she finally came in the venue and came rushing up, the audience was literally like Blair! <laughs> so embarrassing and i think i only ended up being a part of like two songs and then we were done <laughs> so yeah that's mine that's awesome i think my my favorite that we have done was the first time that we played at the hotel cafe in hollywood oh, and we were on their like side stage which is a smaller stage and so there were like seven or eight of us crammed onto this tiny stage which we've done a lot which yeah. we have done a lot but the place was packed like Literally, people just shoulder to shoulder, and the audience was so with us the whole friggin' time that we were playing, and it was it was so so good. And like, we got to the end of it, and we like had time for another song. And I'm like trying to decide what to play, and I was like suggesting something, and I turned around and saw our old drummer, and I turned around and said the name of something, and he was like, "No," <laughs> and I and I and I just went. Yes, and turned around and started started playing. What song? What song it was okay. it was us covering Cher's "Believe," yeah, which is a staple of our. Song. Yeah, we cover that song all, all the, the time. time. And uh, and just doing that at the end of this set, there was already so much fun, pouring sweat in a packed room. It was just like icing on the cake, just to be like, "No, we're doing." I think this. that was the show where I was. I had been visiting home in Massachusetts, and I flew in like four hours prior. Yeah. yeah. Rush to the venue. Yeah, yeah, and then and then Will w that night he was like, and all the way from Boston, Massachusetts, Nick Stanioski on the bass because he had just got in, showed up to the show, and now it's a an ongoing thing that every single show he says all the way from Boston, yeah, Massachusetts. Every time I introduce the band, all the way from Boston, Massachusetts, Mr. Nick Stanioski. Every time it's in our uh, mannequin vanity bio. On yeah, the website. <laughs> it says where no one else is from except for Nick. <laughs> Show. Oh, our worst was at this, like, it was a venue that I really would love to go back and play at some place. This joint called the Maui Sugar Mill Soul <laughs> was not a solid show. We were missing so many components from the band who couldn't be there. And I personally, like, just to be all honest, have only been playing the guitar for like about a year and a half. And I feel real confident now. But at that point, I didn't. And we were like, it was going to be like uke, bass, and banjo leading everything, which is the weirdest combo of instruments. So I was like trying to play guitar on stuff and just like shaking with anxiety because it was one of the first times I'd ever played in front of people. And weirdly enough, I feel like the crowd didn't hate what was happening. But it was, I was so anxious about it, and it just did not come out the way that I had hoped that it would. That by the end of it, I was like, thank God that that set is over. And the next time we play here, it'll be, it'll be better. Something I will say about that venue that I really enjoyed is that on the men's bathroom, there's not an M or a photo of like the male figure. It's just a photo of Johnny Depp. <laughs> to let you know that you're in the right place if you're a man to use the restroom. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And shout out to the venue. It was a very cool place. We yeah. just were a very weird band that night. Yeah. Uke banjo bass is a and, and another vocal. And, yeah, and another <laughs> vocal doing some ta some tambourine and some percussion stuff is a weird combo of instruments. Yeah, I wouldn't even know where to start with that. It'd be like, uh, all right. We didn't either. That was the worst part about it. <laughs> <laughs> 
would say our best show is actually the last show that we got to play before things shut down out here. Oh, that was a great one, too. Yeah. We played at this venue in downtown L.A. called the Escondite. We had never played there before. And the even, smallest stage we've yes. ever played. We are, as a seven to eight piece, sometimes we're pretty used to playing stages that we're crammed on. We're typically playing, you know, like bars and smaller venues. This was by far the smallest stage we ever played on to the point that the stage consisted of the drummer with his kit and our three vocalists being them two and Allie. And then our guitarist and our banjo player that night stood on the floor in front of the stage and the bar wrapped around next to the stage. And I sat on the bar top and played bass for the show. <laughs> and we just all crammed in one corner. But I think between just the weirdness of that, um, the amount of people that were there being friends and family, as well as just like people that were there for other bands, and it being our most recent show, we were probably the tightest and best sounding that we've been to date. And we did like two, we did two, two 45 minute sets. Yes, two 45 minute sets with a break in between. It was great. And we, we just, it was so much fun. We sounded so good that night. What's the worst one? Ooh, worst show we've ever played. Lucas! Oh. Oh. Our guitarist is here. <laughs> Who's well, been sitting in Los Angeles traffic? Actually, I've been sitting here the whole time. I just like to stand in the corner and watch. Hey! Welcome! Uh, Lou, what's your best and worst? First uh, best and then worst. My, our best show was probably... We played a place called The Satellite yeah, I told in that Echo story. Park. Oh, okay. Did you tell them the first one or the second time? I was going to talk about the night we got hooked up with a bunch of death metal bands. Yes! <laughs> Alright, well that, you know, that was probably second best. And then for, I'm just like digging for an excuse to find the best show. No, I think, I think probably our best show was, we had this night where we were all just super bored and we had always heard about people busking and stuff and playing in the streets and stuff. Not really something you do if you're legit in Los Angeles. People that play in the streets are normally homeless <laughs> and are touching an instrument for the first time. <laughs> and uh, we all decided, like, F it, let's grab our gear and go. We had absolutely no game plan. No one thought it through even, <laughs> a, even a moment. And then we got there and we set up in Glendale, in like the, <laughs> in front of a mall. It, it was basically like Little Armenia in front of a shopping mall around c Christmas time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, nobody wanted to hear music. They just wanted to get to their cars. And we just sort of like figured out these weird impromptu acoustic versions of our songs on the spot <laughs> to random passerbyers. And it kind of like worked. Like we kept making eyes with each other. Like, oh man, this is not terrible. <laughs> My favorite so moment of that was this kid who couldn't have been more than like seven or eight years old. They walked past us and I watched him like tug on his mom's like jacket and like talk to her for a moment. And she gave him a $5 bill and he came running back over and like threw it into our tip thing. And I was like, that is the sweetest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> nice. That's cool. That's cool that you guys did that too. Yeah. Worst show. Uh, my worst show, we were, we were playing the Dresden and my bitch ex-wife, who's Shut dead up. now, uh, we, had a, we had a nasty fight. No. And then the entire time she was sitting at the bar just throwing me daggers. But the bartender was throwing me free shots of whiskey, which is why she's my ex. <laughs> and also, 
why I have plausible, plausible deniability, and I had nothing to do with her with her death. <laughs> okay, I just want to say that he's lying to you. They were very much still together when she died. <laughs> yeah. I had to really push the courts for that, for that you know, belated annulment. Um, you know, but may hell have mercy on her. <laughs> Um, speaking of the Dresden, quick shout out to them. We didn't really mention them, but we did have a year, a longer than a year residency at a bar in, uh, Los Feliz area called the Dresden, one of like the older bars in LA. And that's also been one of my favorite places to play. Oh yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Like, all of it. That's it was home. Yeah. Really that was our home. Band. I had two of my seven children conceived <laughs> <laughs> and delivered in the Dresden. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a great place. If you've ever seen the movie Swingers, yeah, yeah, it's it. in the movie oh. Swingers. Okay, yep. They were just such wonderful people to us. Like That's it really did. It became like a home spot. Like it was a place where it was so comfortable. It was where we tried out so many of our new numbers because we were like, even if. It epically fails. No one's in the audience. So it <laughs> everyone, everyone was still on our side at that place. It was like no one ever was it. Well, it was yeah. like it became like a, a ritual. Of like our friends, like, oh, is it is it the third Monday of the month? We're going to the Dresden to go see Borski. It was the closest thing I think I'll ever experience to being on like Cheers. Yeah, it was like our Cheers. If you look inside with some sort of sophisticated microscope inside any one of our four hearts, it would look. Like the Dresden on a pretty empty Tuesday. <laughs> so we felt pretty comfortable playing there. Oh boy. <laughs> That's a correct answer. You answered correctly there. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Because it was totally a lie, but as long as as long as the words came out right. So with all of these shows in mind and everything that you've done so far and all the music you've written, what do you think the motivation is to keep going? Because as you guys know, it's she's a tough road out there. Well, look, yeah, it is. But I think all four of us, if you knew us as human beings and personally, we have, we have absolutely nothing to lose. <laughs> There's very little downside. If I wind up a homeless musician in the street, that the only alternative would be to wind up just a homeless non-musician, <laughs> non-musical person in the street. So there's not a there's not a lot of stakes and not a lot of pressure, and it's just kind of like the way we've always sort of existed, you know. Like just to have my like little brief sappy moment, it just like it no. makes me no. <laughs> it makes me like happier like than anything else in the world. Uh, you know, I've done a bunch of random stuff with work and shit in my life, and as far as like absolute happiness. Like, when I'm on stage, specifically with this group of people, it is, like, absolutely my most joyful moments in the world. Even if it's, like, a show going into it where I can just tell we're all just pissed off <laughs> before we get on stage, by the moment I'm halfway through the first song, 
it's just all gone away and I can look around and like everyone is kind of like fine I don't hate you anymore <laughs> and then by the end of the set it's like all good and and it really does it makes me happier than anything else in the entire world it's very familial very sibling like in that sense uh well, <laughs> hey Blair I didn't get your motivation behind this whole thing <laughs> it's kind of kind of the same as Will like you know it's it's a thing that just like makes us really happy and even on the days like there are days I can like remember specifically where I'm just feeling like you know super depressed and down and just like not wanting to like get out of bed or leave the house but we have like band practice that night or we Will and I call it rehearsal and Nick gets really mad and we call it rehearsal and not band practice <laughs> we're not doing theater we're practicing so we have to go to rehearsal and then I'm like and I'm like oh I just don't want to go I don't want to go but I like force myself and then I get there yeah but I need a ride <laughs> But then as soon as, like, I'm halfway through, I'm like, okay, like, of course, like, this is why I come here. Like, I, like, I'm really glad I came and I feel so much better now, even if it's, like, saying one song. Blair rips it up, too. Like, vocally. <laughs> like, rip parts. You do do that, too, yeah. Blair parts a lot, but she also has a killer voice. Yeah, I have a lot of parts in every interview. I hate it. She, she mouth farts those high A's. <laughs> That's the real whistle. I think she lost a whistle up there at one point. <laughs> really dark story. In the end, we all get what's coming. And in the end, we get what we deserve. In the end, we all get our house in heaven. Charlie was a gambler Out shooting dice most every day Then he set out one night To win himself a fortune But hey, he threw his life away Cause in the end We all get what's coming And in the end We get what we Get the 
in the end We all get what's coming and in the end Get what we deserve